It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder, pastor of North Shore Vineyard. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday service in downtown Covington on December 5th. And this is part two in a series we're in for the Advent season called Advent Conspiracy. Last week, we talked about worshiping fully, and today we talk about spending less. Actually, this message is a bit more about reorienting our lives out of around the things that matter. So keep in mind also that we are going to be raising money this month for Seeds of Hope, a ministry in Zambia that is providing fresh water, wells, HIV, AIDS testing, and economic development for the region. We're trying to build them a facility. So we're trying to raise $6,000 to uh, make that happen. So we're going to be taking a special opportunity offering at the end of this month as part of this series, so if you'd like to be a part of that, you can contact us through the web. All right, let's go to the talk. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out at northshorevineyard.org. You know, a couple of years ago, back uh, probably about this time in 2008, there was a a story that came out, and you, you may be familiar with it. It was Black Friday. And in New York, there was a Walmart where people had waited outside for hours to get in. And upon pushing their way in the doors, they trampled a Walmart employee to death. And uh, I remember when I read that story, this was just two years ago about this time, I remember just feeling like it was such a sad reminder of some of the you know, you know, just a manifestation of really, I think, where a lot of things in our world are kind of going, that, that we're kind of upside down, we're valuing things that don't matter that much in the long run, like electronics and sweaters, and, and yet we're devaluing human life at the same time. I was reminded of a passage from Romans, I actually put it in your outline this morning, um, Romans 1, 21 through 23 The Apostle Paul writes this, he says, What happened was this, people knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat Him like God, refusing to worship Him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion, so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in His hands for cheap figurines that you buy at any roadside stand. See, something is not right in our world. The trampling of this Walmart employee was a tragic picture of a deeper problem in our society. You know, the last few years have been really filled with economic hardships across the United States and even the world. But they've also begun to reveal how deeply Americans have trusted in money and stuff, and even the government for our happiness. We've been looking to things apart from God to make us happy. When I read in Romans that it says they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction to their lives, it seems like that could be the caption for the evening news. And what about the solutions? I remember when we first started heading into the recession, the solution was, we just need to give everybody a bunch of money so that they'll buy more stuff. Does that strike you as odd? 
I mean, it kind of strikes me as a, an alcoholic thinking he can drink himself sober. <laughs> like, just another drink and I'll, I'll, I'll figure things out. I'll get the clarity I need. We're losing our bearings. We're, we can't make sense anymore. It's as if, as if spending money wasn't part of what got us into this mess to begin with. See, whenever we start down the path of ignoring God and seeking life from the various cheap figurines, we find we will ultimately find ourselves in a state of spiritual, relational, and emotional confusion, clinging anxiously to, to things that ultimately don't matter much. Or even worse, we see human beings getting crushed by mobs of people. You know, one of the saddest quotes that I read from this story, they were talking about how once this employee of Walmart was killed, that, you know, Walmart naturally had to tell everybody to leave. Like, we got to take care of this. And I read a quote from a lady in a, a news article. She said, a lady named Mrs. Cribb, she said, when they were saying that the people had to leave the Walmart that morning, that an employee had gotten killed, people were yelling, I've been here since yesterday morning. And they kept shopping. They kept shopping. Whoa, hey. I heard that. <laughs> smile, I'm sure. Sounded like a smile on his face. <laughs> you ain't going to have a smile on your face for long, but... Uh, I'd, I'd tell you what happened up here on the front row for those of you in the back, but uh, I won't. I'll spare you. <laughs> but this woman, she says that after this employee gets trampled, people start saying, dude, I've been here since yesterday morning. I've waited for this. You can't make me leave. There's iPods to buy, flat screen TVs to buy, DVDs, sweaters. And a person's dead. Now, what if I could tell you this morning that I have the, the, the secret to happiness? Would that be cool? You know, as a pastor, it's a bad thing to, to, to really let people in on the secret of happiness because what if they don't come back next week? Like, you know, so I've been, you know, it's, you kind of got to, you got to watch it when you reveal the secret of happiness because it's like, ah, you know. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, now, now to set this up a bit, Paul was in a Roman prison writing this letter. Now Roman prison wasn't like being down at the Covington jail here where you would be guaranteed three square meals a day. Some prisons, you know, you get health care and a library to read. You can do all kinds of things. Jail in Rome was not like that. If you didn't have somebody on the outside bringing you food, you weren't going to eat. It was a cold, dismal place. And so that's the, the place that Paul writes this letter to Philippians from. And he says, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, the secret of happiness, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. That's a, that's, a, that's a secret of happiness right there. See you later. No, I'm a preacher. I got to keep talking, right? You know. 
There is a game today, right? A Saints game? Okay. No. Uh-oh. No. Paul, writing from prison, he's saying, I've learned the secret of happiness, and it's got nothing to do with your home, with your possessions, with your money. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with your connection with God. And if you're connected to God, you can make it through anything. God's the source of your happiness. Actually, when you've got God at the center, then you're, then you're actually free to enjoy things. When you get the cart before the horse and you're putting things in the place of God, you're not going to even enjoy them. I think I want you to ask yourself a question this morning. What matters to you in this life? What really matters? I think when I ask myself that question, you know, you, you, you can think of, of, of a number of things that, that matter, like maybe your job, maybe getting your kids into a good school or a good college, maybe your house. But I think many times, even the house, the job, and things like that, they're, they're really, uh, that's kind of surface things that matter to us, but they, they, they have much more important things at the core that matter, right? Like you, you got that job because you valued other things in your life, right? Now, sometimes we get it out of whack and we forget what really matters to us and, and we begin looking to this job for our life, but I think the reason we work is because we, we want to take care of the the things that God's given us. I think ultimately when we get down to it, the things that really matter to us are the intangibles of life, aren't they? I I experienced this um, after Katrina. Um, There was, was, um, I remember a few months after Katrina, standing on my street in Kenner, and we'd had moderate flooding there, nothing like Lakeview or Ninth Ward, just enough to screw things up. And I remember standing out there with, you know, looking at the piles of stuff going down the streets, the sheetrock, the moldy carpet, the refrigerators that were duct taped shut. Don't open that. <laughs> the toys, the, the furniture, everything that was, it just looked like a wreck. And I remember standing out there with my neighbors talking, neighbors that I'd never talked to before. Do you have that experience? People you had never talked to before, and all of a sudden you're talking to them like your old friends. You, you, you'd both gone for, through something, and you came out. And even with all the destruction around, you were being reminded of the things that ultimately matter. Did you ever get that sense right after Katrina? Like, wow, you know, all that stuff, all that stuff lying by the road. I mean, I appreciate the stuff. It was good, but wow. You know, it kind of had a way of splashing cold water on your soul. And you're like, you know, really the things that matter most they're kind of the intangible things. I think one of the biggest things we ended up losing, we were living in a little, you know, like eight apartment complex there. And one of the things that we, we really mourned the loss of in those days after Katrina was, was the community. We'd actually become really good friends with our neighbors. We'd sit out in the courtyard and we'd talk for a couple hours at night. And, uh, you know, just, and every one of our neighbors, with the exception of one or two, ended up evacuating and never came back. Proverbs fifteen seventeen says, better is a meal of herbs, dried herbs. I can't think of a bad, a worse meal. Like, better is a meal of dried herbs with love than a great feast, big old steak dinner with contentions. I, I, I suspect in here, 
uh, that, that for some of you, Thanksgiving was not a real fun time. Because for you, when you get all your family members together, there's a lot of contention and hatred and, and a lot of stress. And so that Thanksgiving dinner may be, it may leave a good taste in your mouth. You, may, you, you get all that turkey and pecan pie and sweet potatoes and all that stuff. And, and it leaves a good taste in your mouth. But all the junk you got to put up with, with, with the contentions and stuff in your family, the guilt and the, all that stuff, it's just not worth it. It leaves a bad taste in your soul. What the writer of this Proverbs is saying, he's saying, you can have a, a huge spread of things, and it means absolutely nothing if you don't have the intangibles of love, relationship. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of what we do here on the weekends, obviously. <laughs> I like getting together and, and worshiping God together. I look like looking into the Word together. I love all the things that we do as a church, but I got to tell you, this is not my only experience of church. You know, many times I've experienced church. And when I say word church, I'm not talking just about a building. I'm talking about a gathering with people around Jesus. And, and for me, I've experienced that by a campfire with my family. Where we've camped out overnight. I wake up the next morning, make some breakfast tacos, and then we sit around the campfire and, and maybe read a verse or two out of the Bible, and then we go on a hike. And in the midst of that walk, we're, we're beholding the beauty of God's creation and we're experiencing God's love with one another. And we walk away feeling like, wow, we've been refreshed, renewed. We've encountered God in that. Now, this last week, I got to do something just like really great. I got invited to a gathering of some songwriters in Galveston. And we, I was like, this is like, how cool is this? Like we spent like the afternoons, five or six hours just writing songs together. I'm like, who gets to do that? That's awesome, you know? That was fun. Like other, other people from around the country. And, and I was like, this was just amazing. But you know what was even probably more fun than that? It was the sitting out on the back porch of this condo in Galveston until the early hours of the morning with other people and the, 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 the fellowship around Christ just hearing, you know, dialoguing late into the night about the different ways we're processing faith. You know, Proverbs 27, 7 says this, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a big fan of getting presents. I'm not going to turn down your presents if you bring them to me. <laughs> if, if some of you are wondering, tonight, you know, today you're like... I'd get him a present. I just don't know if he's a present kind of person. You know, it's okay. That's all right. <laughs> just want to clear that up. I got to tell you, though, the older I'm getting, though, the, the less that, I, that there's anything that I want when it comes time for Christmas. I'm like, you know, last, we, we celebrated Christmas with my dad because we're, we don't ever get to go up there for Christmas. So we celebrated it at Thanksgiving. We call it Thanks Christmas Giving. And um, so... You know, I, I got this big old basket of wine and cheese. I got cheese for months now. I mean, like all kinds of cheese. It's great. And I enjoy that. That's great. I'll, that's cool. But when people are asking me, what do you want for Christmas? I, I, I just can't think of many things because I got to tell you, I am experiencing the things that really matter. I feel like, man, I got, I got love in my life. I got some good friends. I mean, I... <laughs> Anything else is just, it's, it's icing on the cake. 
But this guy in Proverbs is saying to the hungry person, even bitter things are sweet. I've been there before. I've been at such a funk, a bitter funk in my life before that, that, that even, you know, an abusive relationship is sweet. Even, uh, you know, just anything will be sweet. As much as I like getting together here in this building and worshiping God together, we could have a gathering of bitter people that just want to, you know, just, ah, the church this or that, rah, 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 and it wouldn't be any fun. What makes this place worth coming to, what, makes, what gives this building its life is valuing what matters. It's the experience of God and community and love with one another. We have to regain our bearings around the things that, very, that matter. I want to read something out of 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. The Apostle Paul again writes this. He said, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul here is not saying that money's bad. He's not saying it's bad to be rich or to have stuff. He's saying loving that stuff, though. Loving money is the root of all kinds of evil. I've seen that. I've seen people who were perfectly nice people, and they start getting this love of money and stuff in their lives, and it just takes them down a road where they may have everything they want, but they got nothing they want. You know, I don't know what it's, what it's really like to, uh, uh, I'm not the type of person that would, would camp outside of Walmart <laughs> from the night before or, or Target or anything. I, that's not me. If you know me, Walmart, I, I think hell is actually an, a Walmart checkout line. <laughs> I think if we do a good study on the scriptures, we'll find that, that, that that's what the, uh, the Greek means, uh, Walmart checkout line. Um, but I do know what it's like. You know, while that's not my temptation, I do know what it's like to look to stuff to make me happy. Uh, I, I've got a guitar here. You know, every one of my guitars... They have a story. This, this guitar, my wife bought this for me a couple of years ago. This was like the best Christmas present. And uh, I've got another acoustic guitar that looks like this one, which was the first one I bought when me and my wife were dating. And, and we actually held hands on the day that I got the guitar. It was like, that was cool. Two, two cool things happened in one day. But I got another guitar here that has a, has a story. See this guitar? You want to know the story on this one? Whoa, get stuff on the floor here. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, this one's a bit of a mess. Um, this guitar goes back to, to my first year of marriage. And I've mentioned this on occasions that, you know, a lot of people got this amazing first year package of marriage. Like, you know, they're just in love. And, and I didn't get that package. I got like the... I mean, within a couple of weeks of our uh, honeymoon, it was like hell. I mean, I, there's just no way that I was going to get through this marriage. It was just, 
and apart from God showing up, I mean, I just like, this is, this is tough. This is tougher than anything I've ever done in my life. And on top of that, we were both, both me and my wife were going to school at SLU over here full time. And then I was trying to pastor a campus ministry. And I found myself about six months into marriage. I was just, I was burned out. I, I just, I wanted to get away. I was just like, ah, I can't do this anymore. And, and me and the guys in my band, we decided to plan a, a, a camping trip in Big Bend National Park, desert mountains of uh, West Texas. And, and so we, uh, I started dreaming of this vacation. I started fantasizing about it. I'm like, I can't wait to just leave and, and just backpack and enjoy some time out there. But in, in the process of, of having this fantasy, uh, I, I thought about wow, it'd be cool if I was out on the side of this mountain with a guitar and I could, I could worship God and write some songs. That would be awesome. And so then I started dreaming about a guitar. You know, it, it, it's kind of a funny thing with musicians. We don't, you know, it wasn't, wasn't thoughts of adultery, cheating on my wife. It was this guitar <laughs> that would take me to another place. And uh, uh, I knew I couldn't carry a regular size guitar, but I found out they just came out with these things called baby tailors that were kind of small body guitars. So I thought, that's what I need to, to make this fantasy happen. A baby tailor will make me happy. I can fit it in my backpack. And, um, and so I, I decided to get this baby tailor. The problem was my income at that point in my life, I was playing music and, and doing a little landscaping, neither of which brought in much money. And uh, so I went down to the local American General Financial Company, and they, they agreed to loan me some money at the cheap interest rate of 33.3%. And, uh, and I was silly enough at that point in my life to actually take them up on it. So I, I, I borrowed a couple of hundred bucks at that ridiculous interest rate, and I went out and bought the guitar. And, and, and I guess like anybody who, who has an affair, whether with an instrument or uh, in real life, it, it wasn't all that I had thought it would be. It didn't live up to my fantasy. And I remember taking that guitar home, and, and I played it a couple days. And I was like, yeah, this is nice. But I had this nagging feeling. You ever, you ever do something, you try, to, you try to tell yourself it's right, but you just know you're wrong? Anybody else? Is it just me? Okay, I'm alone here. Yeah, all right, good. Um, I'm in the right place. That's the way it felt playing this guitar. I just knew, man, I, 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 I was trying to escape. I was living my life based on a fantasy. I had something that I, I, I purchased with a ridiculous interest rate. I didn't need it. I didn't ask God about it. And really, it was based on me trying to escape my life rather than live my life. And so after about three weeks of playing this guitar, I just knew, I was like, I got to get rid of this guitar. Uh, I, I, I can't worship God on it. Every time I go to worship God, I'm like, I feel like God was saying, why are you, why are you trying to worship me on that guitar? <laughs> you know you're wrong. And so finally, I was like, okay, God, what do I need to do with this guitar? Should I give it to someone? And I felt like God said, no, I don't want you to give that guitar to anyone. I want you to break that guitar. And I want you to keep that guitar as a reminder of how useful you are in my hands when you're not obeying me, when you're looking to stuff and money to, to make you happy. You're as useful in my hands as a broken guitar. And I want you to keep that broken guitar. Can we do something else? <laughs> and I remember the day that I got, I got the hammer out, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to break this guitar. 
And, and I, I was hoping it'd be like an Abraham Isaac thing. Like there would be an angel, you know, right about the time that I, they said, no. And I'm like, but that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And that was the saddest sound that I've ever heard. It was a cracky, you know, back when I was into punk rock, that would have been cool. Like, yeah, break this guitar. But I kept that, I, I broke the guitar and I've kept it in its case. That was probably about 14 years ago. And I've kept it, it it's in my garage right now, and I'll run across this guitar usually once, uh, a couple of times a year, I'll bump into it, and it's a powerful reminder to me to not look to stuff to make me happy, but to keep God at the center. See, the Apostle Paul found the recipe to happiness, a recipe which requires Retracing our steps from the roadside stand, selling trinkets, and back to remembering who God is. A recipe which demands that we lay down these cheap idols, the stuff that we're, our attachments that only keep us confused and fragmented within and estranged for one another and from God, and turn again to the one who actually makes us whole. And we can turn to Him today like Paul did, whether you're in prison, chained up and hungry, or in your office, or in your classroom, your home, even in your relationships with one another. You can turn to him even in the midst of a battle with cancer, even in a financial crisis, even in the midst of relational brokenness. See, when God is the source of our life and our worship, we actually begin to see the true value in the things around us. See, there's a lot of Christians who, who have the view that, hey, the only point of, of, of Christianity is you just want to get your heavenly ticket uh, punched so that you can go to heaven when you die, and there's no value in this world. We're just hanging on until Jesus will, will take us away. That's not an idea from the New Testament, though. See, what we find when we value God, we actually begin to, to see the value in the world around us. See, that's the, the, the kind of the paradox here. When we get God at the center, all of a sudden, he brings out the God colors, the God flavors in the world around us. Now we start to actually appreciate the things in the world around us. But when you get the cart before the horse and you start holding on to things, looking to them for happiness, guess what? You may get a lot of things, but you're not even going to enjoy them. So I just want to ask us today to take a step back from the craziness and the frenzy of commercialism and spending and going in debt and turn again to the Lord. You know, the title of this message has actually been Spend Less, and I haven't talked to any about spending less today, have I? Well, I think too often if we just try to talk about spending less and putting some side money aside... It, it, if you just try to do that, you might be able to do that, but that doesn't get to the core issue. The core issue isn't spending less. The core issue is, is your life oriented around God and His purposes? Because you know what? Really, if you orient yourself around God, you're going to spend less on things that don't matter anyway. That's going to be the byproduct of your life. And you will begin spending more on the things that matter. And I'm not just talking money here. I'm talking about spending time Valuing people with your presence, not just your presence that come in <laughs> boxes. So in this season of hustle and bustle, let's take a few moments 
Try to take a few moments every day to just slow down. Take some time to breathe. In this time of financial crisis and debt, let us take time to just stop and be thankful for all that God has done, for who He is, and that He's in charge. In these times of insecurity and anxiety, let us pause and receive His peace. And then, once you've done all that, then spend your money. And I suspect you're going to spend less without even knowing it. And you'll spend, yeah, get more out of it. And the money that you do spend will be spent on things that matter. So let's turn to God in this moment right now. And be still. And breathe. Everybody take a deep breath together. Let the veil of the tyranny of the urgent be pulled back so that you can realize who your real life is. I just want you to close your eyes this morning. I want to read that passage from Paul again from Philippians. And let it reorient our hearts as we prepare to leave. I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little, I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything and the one who makes me who I am. Father God, this morning, I pray that you would help us to live those words, God, that where there's anxiety from trying to cling on to stuff and look to other things to make us happy, God, that we could just open up our hands, open up our hearts and receive you. Lord, that we would live the next few weeks not pulled to and fro by, by debts and commercials and spending, God, but, but we could just settle down and live from a heart that is filled with you and focused on you. And God, that we would begin to see the things that you value all around us in our relationships, God, in our community. And Lord, we could affirm those things. We could affirm your goodness in this world. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Go Saints. Hey, thank you all for coming out this morning. And uh, we'll see you guys later, maybe next weekend. So uh, God bless y'all. Have a great day.